Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast. This is episode 42 and today we're interviewing Dr. Brian Lenskis. Now I found out about the Low Carb MD podcast well over, well about 18 months ago and I've been listening to them religiously every week since then and I just love the way that the two doctors, Dr. Brian and Dr. Tro, banter with each other and they put each other down and they just make me smile. But I particularly asked Dr. Brian to come on. So it was whilst I was listening to the Low Carb MD podcast last year that they were doing their 100th episode. And I was listening to them talking to each other and chatting to each other. And at this point, I was going to be doing the podcast by myself. And I don't know what happened. I was out running, I think I was at the time, and I was listening to the podcast. And I just thought, Lou's been helping me in the background. I should ask her if she wants to come on the podcast with me. So I did and expecting her to fully say no. But she said yes. So here we are, the two of us. All because I listened to that podcast. It inspired me to ask you to come on the podcast. And to my astonishment, you said yes. And I'm still here, Jackie, and I do hope to sort of obviously get to the 100th podcast and maybe we might, you know, pay it forward and someone else might be inspired by our, you know, podcasting contribution to the to the low-carb keto universe. Yeah, well, we're nearly halfway there. Another two months. We are. And we'll be halfway there to a 100th one. So which one of us is Troy and which one of us is Brian? Mmm, I don't think either of us are Troy. <laughs> Um, and then we're probably more like Brian than Trey. I can get my salty New Yorker accent and sort of use the F word to say how how are you <laughs> yes. with the, you know with that sort of thing. So um, yeah, but you're right. We all bring something different, don't we? We all bring bring a little bit of you know uniqueness to to the show, don't we? Yeah. And he loves being on uh, Doctor Tro loves being on Twitter and arguing with people. And I look at some of the comments on. Twitter and how rude people are and I just think why I don't get it why be rude to somebody I find it I don't like it at all really yeah I think Twitter sort of you know gets a bit murky sometimes but it is you know how to how to get the most out of your 280 characters you know for maximum effect (laughs) yeah that's anyway so um with Dr Brian I just love his gentle nature He's always looking for hope and he's he's a really inspiring character and I just really love listening to him. He's got such a gentle voice and he's got such a gentle way about him. So I just, 
yeah, I love him. I think he's wonderful. So Jackie was fangirling all through this episode, so um, we can obviously let the listeners know a little bit more about um, Dr. Brian. But before you do, let's just mention that um, he told us he had an hour and a half to do the recording and then uh, an hour he was supposed to be, he got a message from Dr. Tro to say he was supposed to be on another podcast. So he had to run out on us. So unfortunately, we didn't get to talk about all the things that we wanted to talk about. But maybe we'll have him back another time. Absolutely. I think that's a great opportunity to get him back. So do you want to tell us a bit about Dr. Brian? Yes, Dr. Brian Lenskis is a board-certified internal medicine physician who was in a standard medical practice for 18 years, but now he practices in a direct primary care clinic focusing on metabolic health and wellness. As we've said, he's the co-host with Dr. Tro in the Low Carb MD podcast, and he's also started Life's Best Medicines podcast. He has an undergraduate biology degree from UC Irvine and attended medical school at USC. He lives in sunny San Diego, California, with his wife, two daughters, and a couple of labradoodles. So let's hear from Dr. Brian. Welcome, Dr. Brian, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Hey, it's fabulous to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This is pretty awesome. It's awesome for me, too. I'm fangirling all over the place. So, (laughs) and Louise is waving her hands around. So we always start with, where in the world are you? I'm in San Diego, California. Yeah, in the US. Mm, Lovely. I was there in six weeks after 9-11. So that was interesting for a few days. That was a time. That was that would have been tough. That was certainly yeah, quite a quite a thing. I was actually in the US in the March before before the September, so that was one of my most very memorable trips. That sort of thing. So I actually got to go into the World Trade Center. So that was um, hey, even better. You, you were here at a unique time. Yeah, yeah, unique time when we were all nice to each other. At that point, everyone mm-hmm. looked at each other and said hi, and they were all kind of stunned together. You know, it brought a lot of people together. Mm. You know. Yeah. Oh, on that note, Jackie. So- <laughs> As a doctor, it must have been um, very hard for you to get your head around low carb. So I was wondering if you could just introduce us to your journey and how you got started. And we find that nearly everybody has a one person or a one podcast or book that actually speaks to them and gets them on the journey. And maybe you could include in that who that was for you. Yeah, you know, really, as a doc, you know, the first time I even heard anything about this stuff was one of my patients. He came in and he lost 40 pounds. I looked at him like, I'm worried he has cancer. I'm like, are you okay? What's going on? He goes, oh, I just started doing this crazy diet. What's it called? The fast diet. I said, well, that's crazy. What do you mean the fast diet? He goes, yeah, I fast Tuesdays and Thursdays, like 500 calories or less, no carbs. And the other days I eat what I want. And I said, I don't think so. That's not right. So, you know, my my brain, it, it didn't make sense because... I was thinking, okay, if you fast on Tuesday, you must eat twice as much on Wednesday to make up for it. And uh, he said, well, no, I'm not really hungry on Wednesday. I have to force myself to eat. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense because if you starve yourself all day, you're going to eat twice as much at night. And I started looking at this. Who do I come across? Of course, Jason Fung. And I see him talking about fasting and the benefits and and keto diet. And I was like, well, this guy's what's he selling at the end? I'm looking at the end. He's not selling anything. I said, well, maybe this guy's a reasonable person. So then I started doing more research on that. And I thought, well, gosh, if this guy's right, I remember sitting there at my desk at my old office, 
thinking if this guy's right, I'm going to be so mad because I've been eating these little Melba toast and, and, and uh, uh, rice crackers and all this of trying to lose weight. You know, my story goes back, you know, my, my family, my mom's side of the family, for sure, obesity, diabetes, they live out in the country and they just eat whatever they want. They didn't care. And they just shot more insulin, ate whatever they want, live, live your life. But they all died in their forties and fifties. So you start realizing this is not a very good plan, right? It's not, you can't just take drugs and shoot up medicines to, to do what you want to do. It doesn't absolve you of all your sins, basically. So I thought, wow, this is kind of a weird thing. And at that time I was having six small meals throughout the day green shakes for breakfast and I'm gaining weight, working out six days a week. I was never lazy. I always worked out. I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know? So then I'm listening to this guy and I look at, come across Jason Fung and actually reached out to him. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm intrigued by this stuff. Like, can you, I'm my patient had benefit. So what are you doing? Like, how's this work? So anyway, I start doing it because my whole life I was overweight as a kid, as a young kid, never like, like massively like 350, 400 pounds, but always overweight, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds. Um, and then, um, in high school, I played football and wrestled. So I'd gain weight for football. Then I have to lose weight. And I figured I just messed up my metabolism doing the crazy, like biggest loser diet basically during that time. And so, and so you start just gaining weight, then residency, you gain weight and, and, you know, you gain weight and then you think, oh, in residency, you take a study break, you know, or, or you, you eat whenever you can. So you just get into that habit of eating and that becomes your stress relief because, you know, you've realized, oh, whenever I'm eating, I'm not, stressing because you're not you're talking about fun stuff and, and enjoyable so you begin begin associating those things and then uh all of a sudden i started losing weight when i went started doing low carbon keto and cutting out sugar so i was like well this is great so all my and i was pre-diabetic at the time and i knew i was on that road and so i started having success myself in the first you know three months again i lost like 30 or 40 pounds i'm like this is ridiculously crazy that i'm enjoying what i'm eating i'm having fun doing some intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, cutting out processed food and sugar, and I'm losing weight. So then my patients started asking me, doctor, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I can't really, <laughs> I can't really recommend it. This is what I'm doing, but I can't recommend it to you because I can, I'm not going to sue myself if something happens. And, you know, because at that time, that's when Professor Noakes was going through his stuff and Gary Fetke was going through his stuff and it wasn't the standard of care. So people say, I don't care what the standard of care is. <clears throat> I want to lose weight and I want to feel better. So in six months, I had 11 people come off insulin, you know, after going to low carb USA conference and seeing all these doctors talking about their experience, their clinical experience, and from a psychiatrist talking about it and from oncologists talking about it. And you think, wow, this is not just about losing a few pounds and dying of a heart attack because, you know, everyone says, you know, you'll lose weight, but you'll die. So that's kind of the thing. And I started seeing all, all my markers getting better and all my patients' markers starting to get better. So yeah, so that's where I came to, to that conclusion. I started looking and saying, uh-oh, this is kind of crazy. Being in a standard practice for, you know, at that time, 15 years, doing the standard of care, never having someone come off insulin. Then you have all these people come off within six months. You think, wow, there's something to this, right? Maybe these Noakes guys and, and Atkins, they're not as crazy as people made them to sound. But we know that now, and it, but it's really hard when you when you're not in that paradigm to really shift your thoughts into it, isn't it? It's hard, you know. Luckily for me, I had the respect of my colleagues because you know I was one of the top docs in San Diego. I was voted that way by my colleagues back then, and uh, you know I I had the at least enough. They go, he's a reasonable guy. He's not just going to jump into stuff. So people questioned it, but they weren't thinking I was absolutely off the rail. Some people did. Some of my cardiologist friends go, what the heck are you talking about? And I was like, look at their insulin level. Look, look at the insulin level on your patients. That's their biggest risk factor. Here's the study that shows that. 
so, you know, I think you have to, you know, especially when you're going outside, like doctors, we like to be in the, in the middle of the pack, right? We want to be the sheep in the middle, like no one sees us. And we're, we're, when you're the one off by yourself, then all of a sudden you're a target. And that's what happened to Professor Noakes and some other people. And you start realizing, you know, there's, there are definitely interests that, you know, it, you step on toes for sure. And people don't like it because you're going against what they know to be true. And it's really hard in any way, in religion or whatever it is. When you step outside and say, hey, guys, have you looked at it from a different perspective to see what happens? Right. So I had to look at my patients and, I, and, I, and anything, you know, through my experience in all these years of medicine, I've seen these these miracle drugs coming out. They're touted and everyone says this is going to change the world. And they come out and they kill people, <laughs> you know, and you go, this isn't a good thing. So you're observing your patients. There's certain meds I don't use because I had, you know, people have bad outcomes or or it wasn't helping them. So you say, OK, you got to change what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's just a hard uh, it's hard when you have to observe what you're seeing. And I think in medicine, it's not working. We keep doing it. That's what Jason Fun convinced me of too, is that, you know, when you're, when your insulin's high, you, you can cause a lot of health problems based on that. It's not necessarily where the sugars are because your insulin is going to be high for 10 years before you get diabetes. So that's why it's important to catch it before it happens. But I see people all the time. You wouldn't believe just, just this week, a young guy comes in 32 years old, uh, Three months sugar average is five point in our range is upper limit of normal, normal cholesterol, normal everything. And his doc, he had just seen his doctor, but he says, I know I'm not healthy. I feel terrible all the time. And I said, Well, let's just get your insulin. It's 65. You know, in our you know, healthy is less than five. He's at 65. I said, You're a disaster waiting to happen. But his doctor said, You're lucky, you're never gonna have a problem. He's gonna have a problem, I guarantee it hundred percent. Now he has the tools to to be able to reverse that. And maybe next time I see him, his insulin will be 35. And then next time it'll be 12. You know, it, it's amazing what we can do. But and I think that's one of those things. And I've seen it where, where, where endocrinologists say, well, we'll just wait till they get diabetes and put them on insulin. It's like, why not just do it now? I mean, why not intervene now with lifestyle instead of waiting till they blow up their engine? Doesn't make sense. So, yeah, that, so that's what we're up against. And I think that's that's kind of the the fight we're in. Do you think that it's that way because they actually can't do anything about it other than medication? Because there is, in their world, there isn't a way of dealing with it. So might as well just wait for it to happen. What they've done, here's what, what we've done. I'll say what I've done. It's back then we said, you have to eat six meals a day. I was eating six meals a day. You have to eat uh, low fat. I was eating low fat and I was getting fatter. How can I get fatter not eating fat? While well, you start saying, well, what do we do? Is it the carbohydrates is a problem? Well, get, and then I thought about it logically. I said, okay, when I put someone on insulin, what do I do? When I give their mealtime insulin, I say, how many carbs are you having for lunch? Here's how much insulin you take. We count carbs. It's carb counting. We've been doing that since we've had insulin mm -hmm. because we don't want people to get low sugars. So that was the concern. When I started putting people on low carb diet, my endocrinologist partner said, hey, Brian, it's dangerous. Why? Because they'll get low sugars when they take their insulin. Okay, then don't take your insulin. Don't take your insulin. If, you, if you're going to get low sugars, you're, you're, you're eating food to counteract the effect of the drug you're giving for not getting high sugars. It doesn't make sense. Right. And the hospital, it, it, it's so apparent when you see it. it's like one of those things. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. We say, you know, because in the hospital, what do we do? We take people off their oral medications because we don't like to have those in the hospital. We put them on sliding scale insulin and then we pump them full of sugar. And then we have to give them more and more insulin. By the time they leave the hospital, they went from not being on insulin to being on insulin. Now they say, okay, now you're on insulin the rest of your life. Well, insulin we know makes us gain weight and cause all kinds of problems because what it's doing is grabbing that sugar and shoving it into the tissues, just like my family was doing. They would eat the, you know, drink sodas and, and 
eat cake and they will shoot more insulin. It doesn't make it disappear. It shoves it into your tissues. Now we have all the tissue damage from all that. Then you gain weight. Then what? You get more insulin resistant. Now you need more insulin to get rid of the sugar. Now people are gaining weight and the doctor's getting frustrated with the patient because they said, I told you to lose weight. Well, I'm trying, doctor. I'm eating what you're telling me. You know, So Dr. Unwin is one of my favorites telling his story. I think it's so, you know, it, he, he didn't have all the tools I have. And he was, he's a great clinician because he saw and he thought, oh my gosh, this is lady's losing weight, doing exactly the opposite of what I told her. So when you see people having success, that's, I think it has to convince us. There's a major HMO here in, 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 well, it's in the States and they will not order an insulin level and they won't order a coronary calcium. There's certain things they would just won't do. So I have, I think I have about 120 patients from their system who come to me. I said, why are you coming to me? They said, my doctor gives me three minutes, six minutes, maybe. They never asked me about life. So I get these patients and I'm excited. So I have a lady, she lost 58 pounds, came off insulin, came off her blood pressure medicine, her mood stabilized. She's off her heartburn medicine. She's feeling fantastic. She's working out. And so she said, I'm meeting with my doctor in, in the system. I said, okay, cool. So I, and she came in the next week. I said, what did your doctor say? She said, nothing. Didn't say anything. I said, how did you, how do you lose, you know? over 50 pounds and you come up all your meds and the doctor doesn't say, what the heck are you doing? I mean, where's the curiosity there? Well, if you have six or eight minutes and you have 30 people waiting, you don't have time for that. Yeah. So I think that tells us a lot about where the state of medicine is. And I'm telling you, it's, it's a devastating thing. It, it is really, and it's not, I don't think people are inherently bad. I don't think doctors are bad. I think doctors are overworked and they're stressed and they're tense. And, and I was one of them for a long time. But before I left, I told the head of the HMO that I used to work. I mean, I used to take patients from this HMO plan and I said, look, let me show you my data. Let me show you what I'm seeing with insulin and, and prevention. And, and I said, you know how much money I can save your system? It's ridiculous because I get paid less because if my people, people don't get diabetes, I get paid less. No. Because the more diagnosis codes I could put on my patient, the more I get paid from the HMO and the more the HMO gets paid from the government. So it's crazy because everyone knows diabetes is the, it's the, the most expensive condition we have, you know, metabolic disease. But their point, his point was like, you're not really saving us money because the more people who get diabetes, the more we get paid. That's the mindset. We get paid more from the federal government on that. I was like, wow, that's our tax dollars, right? Wouldn't you rather use your tax dollars for something else like building schools or helping people do other stuff? Maybe, I don't know. So, you know, it's one of those things where you start realizing the, the incentive plan is it, it's skewed in a way because the sicker you get, the more I get paid. Because the reasoning is the more sick the patient is, the more work the doctor has to do. And my argument is, look, the healthier I keep my patient, the more work I have to do because it's work. It takes time. That's why in eight minutes, you can't talk about lifestyle and what, how low carb works and intermittent fasting. You can't talk about that in eight minutes, plus address all their other health problems. So our model is of saying, hey, look, let's get you from having a broken down car to fixing your car. Then you can go drive on the freeway and have fun. You don't have to be fixing your car every week, right? It's just the logic is, is off. So hopefully that answers your questions in a, in a way that's it's really, this is why we see it being the forefront. And the thing that's really brought us to the forefront, really, I think, is COVID and, and the death that you look at who's dying of COVID and you say, okay, what's my best bet? All, all bets off. If I have to take my mask off at some point, if I have to live my life at some point, to be as metabolically healthy as we can, exercise, activity, going out in the sun, enjoying life, laughing, have in, enjoying stuff. So a lot of us are really tense and stressed. And, and so it's not just about what we're, what we're eating, but our mood and our stress level affects what we're eating and what we eat affects the stress level. And so it's this, this spiral that we get into. And that's, that's the tough one. That's what makes my profession so rewarding now, because I can help people that come in stressed, worried, tense. They know they're on the wrong road. You say, okay, here's hope. Let's go this way and see what we can do. 
Because again, the old standard, the reason the doctors think diet doesn't make a difference is they were putting them on the wrong diet and it wasn't working. And we're, and we're learning that we're seeing that. So. And, and we know that diet isn't everything that there are. We do need to bear in mind stress and sleep and all these other conditions that influence our health. It's not just about food and our weight is not just about food. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I, you know, I was just teasing a patient of mine yesterday because uh, I met I'm, my hardest patient. I already know a menopausal female, right? Uh, uh, stressed all the time being a, a, you know, a real estate agent. Like while I'm talking to them, they're getting five texts and they're, they're scanning and they don't have time for themselves. They're, they're, they're taking care of you know, their kids and they have a crazy life and they have no downtime and there's no peace. And it's hard because if you're stressed constantly, you know, our body's good. We can deal with stress well acutely, but when it's that chronic stress that keeps going, you know, all these things, it's just, uh, uh, it's overwhelming. You know, it really is that, that when you're overly always stressed, like insulin, you need insulin to survive. So it's not the, the enemy. It's just, you don't need it to be spiked all the time. That's when it becomes a problem. Stress hormones, we need them, but not all the time. Right. So I, I think it's having that balance. And I think having a balanced life makes a difference. And, and for me, really, I think the big, like you asked who, who influenced me, so many people have influenced me, but de- definitely Jason Fung, Ben Bickman from BYU talking about, you know, I happened to run into him at, at the gym uh, before a, a conference one time. And I say, Ben, look, if I want to live a long life, what do I have to do? He said, okay, Brian, just five things, right? Number one, don't work yourself to death, running around like a crazy person, stressed out all day. I was like, oh, at that time I was working 14 hour days every day. He said, just get, and then he goes, get enough sleep. Number two, I'm like, get enough sleep. I give a four in the morning because I have to drive, you know, 45 minutes to work. If I don't leave early, I get stuck in traffic, right? And if I get home at eight at night, I want to spend time with my wife and kids. And then I'm up, you know, and then I don't, don't get enough sleep that night. So I'm like, oh no, you're only five. And I don't like your rules because I'm over two, <laughs> right? And he goes, number three, eat real food. I'm like, okay, I'm pretty good at that. Number four, exercise regularly. Next, don't smoke or drink to excess. He goes, that's it. That's what you have control over, right? And you look at it, he goes, because all those things affect insulin levels. You get your insulin right. And then another huge influence in my life is uh, Ben Bikikio, who we talked about a little bit before. He's talking about exercise. He said, Brian, muscle mass is what matters. The more muscle mass you have, the longer you live. It's like, okay, the other Ben is saying the more insulin, the lower my insulin, the longer I live. And it, really, it's the same thing. These guys with muscle, that's why people with a lot of muscle mass can get away with stuff. If, if they're lean with a bunch of muscle mass, they can get away with way more carbs than I can or other people who are metabolically safe. If you're diabetic, you really got to be strict. So I think it's one of those things where it's not legalism or, you know, being a, a zealot is saying, hey, look, for you, what can we do? If you can get away with more carbs and you're, you're metabolically healthy, cool. Mm. If you can't, you know, right? For most people, most of us these days, like 88% of us based on the, the recent study, our metabolically sick, so we got to be more strict than other people do. Yeah. So you, I mean, you were totally stressed out working 14-hour days, and there, there must be millions of people out in the world who are really stressed at work, and they can't, I mean, you've managed to transition away from being a primary care physician to being in a private practice, so you have more control over what you do now. But there's lots of millions of people who are totally stressed out but can't change their job for whatever reason. Maybe it's age, maybe it's location. What could they do to to bring down those stress levels? Just something really simple that maybe they can introduce into their daily life. Oh gosh, there's so much. There's so much you can do. And part of it's being able to say no. Most of those people are, who are stressed all the time are like, they can't say no. Someone needs them help them move that weekend or they have other stuff being a nice person. 
but sometimes you go, I just need a little downtime, you know? And, and that's what I was realizing is like, I was making good money. It wasn't a money problem. It was like, I want to be able to go enjoy my money. I want to go spend time with my wife and kids and, you know, take a day off. Sometimes I was, I was booked out six months. So I couldn't even in six months, I can't take a day off. I'd have to book my a day off six months in advance. So now that my schedule is a little more lax, I can say, you know what, next Friday, I'm going to just move people around and I can take off a day, you know, if I need to, if I have something, a family emergency or something going on, that that's what I was realizing. And a lot of people are just stuck to that. So my advice is look, look at your life and reassess. I know multimillionaires who are miserable people, right? I know multimillionaires who are very happy. I have people who work and they love their job and they, they don't care if they work. I don't care if I work more hours. I, I don't work very many less hours than I used to because I like doing podcasts. I love doing this kind of stuff. And, and hopefully we could reach more people, but it's not the stress level. Like before the stress for me was this, like I'd, I'd be with the patient trying to explain low carb. And, and I would always put those people right before lunch because then I would have an hour to spend with them. But then when I spend an hour trying to help that person, I realize that's an hour I'm going to go home later that night because I have to do all my callbacks and do my notes and all that stuff. So at the end of the day, I'd spend three or four hours doing the notes for the day. But the thing that stressed me out the most was I was trying to help. If we're engaged in a conversation, all of a sudden they're like, doctor, there's three people waiting. Doctor, hurry, doctor. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to help this. This person really needs help. But then I realized 80% of the people probably didn't even care what I was saying because they're not going to give up their you know, junk food and, and what they're doing. And they're going to take the consequence of that. And so I thought, well, I'm sacrificing my friends, my family. And really, friends called me out on that too. They go, Brian, my, one of my best friends texted me because, are you still mad at me? And I said, mad at you? We've known each other since third grade. We've never had a fight. And he said, well, I haven't talked to you in two years. We haven't got together in three I was like, well, you're kidding. I was like, wow, like, you know, every weekend, you know, you're, you're just busy. You're just going. And, and so I think that was a wake up call for me. But I think for people who, you know, it's saying, where can I, do I have to do that extra um, sale? Do I have to work an extra, you know, it, 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 that I think that's the problem is, do you have to have the fanciest car in the neighborhood? Do you have to have the biggest house? Do you have to, you know, a lot of people are slaves to their finances of, of seeing values. And I think COVID brought that into a lot of people's attention saying, what really matters, your relationship, your friends, you know, helping people, being kind, you know, helping your neighbor, you know, all those kind of things. I think the people who live that way just do better and, and stress. For an example, one of my patients has recently been having trouble binging on candy. Why? She gets stressed because she has an hour drive. She's in Chicago and she has an hour drive home every day and the traffic stresses her out. She has stuff to do and she's sitting there for an hour wasting her time and it stresses her out. So she's, she's eating candy on the way home to calm her nerves. I'm like, look, you know, can you listen to my podcast? Can you listen to any other podcast? Can you listen to a book? Can you learn a language? Can you do something with that time? Because you're going to be sitting there for an hour either way. You got to make the best of it. And I think a lot of us, we just think about the bad stuff. And, and, and what I find is some people are just so fatigued. They're so beat up from work and they're like, I can't work out. I'm too tired. It's like, well, when you work out, you won't be as tired. And so once they start changing their lifestyle, they start feeling better. Now they have more energy. Now they're more effective at work. Now they're more efficient. So yeah, I think it's a lot. I think it's it's um it's hard when people when you need that paycheck. That is really really tough. And for me, it was hard. You know, I had to I walked away from sure money for the rest of my life. But I said I'm not getting satisfaction. I'm working my tail off, and I'm not spending quality time with my family. And and, and so you start realizing, where's your impact? You know, the big one for me was I was at in in Florida at a at a conference, and you know Rob Sivas was talking about mindfulness and base. And Rob Sivas is a hard driven surgeon. And he's talking about mindfulness, sitting there and just evaluating life, prayer, meditation, writing stuff down. And 
he sat there for 24 hours and, and my buddy and I looked at each other. We're both internal medicine docs. And we said, there's no way he's doing that. That's impossible. Cause if I sat there for 24 hours, I'd be dead for a month trying to catch up from that 24 hour loss. Right. And then I came back to my practice. It was this crazy situation where I was just packed with people, like 20 people want to be seen. And I, I have nowhere to put them. And I'm working. Like I was working seriously 18 to 20 hours a day, just working, like going home, sleeping, coming for a few hours, coming back to work. And it was like ridiculous. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just done. And that was right when Kobe Bryant died too. And I'm thinking this guy would have given up all of his money for his, to spend one more day with his wife and kids, right? He would have given it all up. And a lot of us don't do that. And I thought, you know, my wife and kids are worth it. I'm done. And I just knew I was done because I just couldn't keep that pace for it. It was like being on a treadmill that's too fast. A lot of people feel like you're running as fast as you can right now, but you can't keep it up for 20 years. It's just not good for you. It's not good for your friends and family and all that, or your patients. You know, a lot of doctors are in that they're burned out. So that's what I mean. I have compassion for doctors because I know you you just worked a 14-hour day. Now people want to talk to you about low carb. It's like, I'm not learning about this fad that's just going to go away that everyone says is killing everyone. I'm not going to learn about it. So you you stop because there's so much other stuff you got to do. Mm. So, you know, I think that's just the situation we're in that the doctors are not immune to the stress. And I actually talk a lot about that. The suicide rate among physicians is the highest in the, in the world of any occupation. So you have the best and the brightest and they're out there to help people because they realize they're not helping people and they're just working themselves to death and their relationships fall apart and they are drinking to calm their nerves and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and so when you start looking at that, I say, wow, physician heal thyself at some point, you put your oxygen mask on. So I think that's why I say a lot of people are not in a position to change their career path, but you may be able to change either your attitude in that of saying, okay, look, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to help people and I'm going to be kind to people and decent. There's a lot of people who just aren't, I see a lot of doctors who just aren't happy. And they don't care anymore. They're just like, get the next patient, get the next patient. And, and, and I think if you really care about people, you burn out because you want to help people and you can't, you just don't have time. You can't, you know, if I ask you to knit me a shirt, you can do that tomorrow. But I go, okay, I need 4,000 shirts tomorrow. It's like, okay, that's not very easy to do. And that's stressful, right? So I think a lot of us are in this big stress area. You know, it really is. Hmm, definitely. And that's really that compassion fatigue that you're talking about. So where you actually have to have that sort of detached concern, like many other health professionals, you meant to have that sort of little gap there, little breathing space where you can go, you know, I've heard what you've said, but it, you're not going to be taking that on. But what I was really thinking that that was obviously really difficult for you because of your own health journey, you know, the fact that you had, you know, diabetes, pre-diabetic and you had your own weight concerns and you were doing all the right things. You were, you know, having those healthy whole grains, but everything you were doing wasn't, you know, wasn't doing it. Did you have that same disbelief when your patients were saying, look, doc, I'm actually doing it. You know, I'm eating, you know, this many calories, I'm eating low fat and nothing is working. Did you ever sort of go, they must be lying? But oh, you course. knew yourself, right? Of course, we you all did. But you I, were doing the right thing. Exactly. And that's why the difference is, that's why it was a blessing for me to go through that because I could see I was doing exactly what my patients said they're doing. And then all of a sudden when they changed, now did they all, all of a sudden become compliant than where they weren't before? No, it's because they were doing what we told them to do. That's the frustrating part. And the doctors can't reassess and step back. Because if you've never struggled with your weight, you go, just do what I did. It works. That's what everyone thinks about their diet because it worked for you. Just do it. So you know, it, it's like that. I can't tell people who hate meat to go carnivore. And I can't tell people who eat vegetables to go vegan. Like, so you look and you go, what works for that person? What is acceptable to you in your life? Like some people, like they'll have, you know, pizza once a month. Okay. Big deal. Have pizza once a month. If your life depends on that, or, you know, I have one guy, he's doing great. 
And he, his whole thing for life has been his escape is going to movies. So he goes, whenever I go to the movies, I used to get this big tub of popcorn. Now I get a small popcorn. I go, man, if we could get you off that habit, but you know, but he goes, that's, I love that. It just, I love that. And I go, okay, it's going to be a slower journey. Okay. It's a slower journey. Okay. And he's still losing weight. He's still doing great. So if he wants to have popcorn every two weeks, you know, what are you going to do? You know? So I think it's one of those things. Now, obviously there's things like alcohol. If someone's an alcoholic, you don't say, well, and, and this is where, you know, we had Lane Norton on, we have a definitely a difference of opinion on stuff, but he's into flexible eating saying you could eat whatever you want, as long as you limit your calories. Well, we've been doing that for how many years? It has never worked. I've done it myself. It doesn't work because you can only limit calories for so much. Willpower only goes so far because when you're tired and stressed and, and upset, guess what? Give me some cookies or give me something because I need something right now. I need a drink. I need, you know, coffee to get going in the morning, whatever it is. So yeah, if you're alcoholic, you don't say, okay, just drink alcohol and limit it in limited amounts because you can't limit it. If you're an alcoholic, you just can't, right? Some people can, if they go, okay, honey, give me one drink and that's it. And I'm not going to have anything else for the next two weeks and that's it. And someone's monitoring them. Okay. But if Rob Sivis says it the best and he opened my eyes to the food addiction, cause I thought it was kind of, you know, we like it. It's not that you're addicted, but I'm telling you, there's no doubt it's real. I've talked to people all the time. I talk to experts. I talk to patients who go, I lay there all night and think about cookies. I cannot sleep. I'm thinking it's in the fridge. It makes me crazy. So sometimes not having it there and they say they're relief, they're relieved from that. So I think there's so much that, you know, going back to the stress thing, one of my patients, she's doing fantastic. She was drinking every night. Why? Her job was really stressful. She changed her job. Now it's not as stressful. Now she doesn't need to drink at night. Now she's changed her habits. Now she's losing weight. And, and so a lot of that is saying, okay, if I if my job is so stressful, and, and trust me, I know, because I would go home and go, look, Friday night was chips, salsa, and, and a margarita. I'd say, okay, I, I finished another week. I survived, right? So at some point you realize, okay, that's not where your happiness comes from, right? It's not just that. So, you know, it, it's very common. It's very common. I talk to people, they go, well, I don't want to give up this. Some people, like what I tell people, it's kind of like if, if you're standing on the dock and you're, you're, you're getting on a boat and you have one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat and the boat's pulling away. At some point, you either step on the boat or you step on the dock, Yeah. right? So the people who jump in and go, I'm all in this boat. I mean, I love that. I love a patient who goes, I don't care. Tell me what to do and I'm doing it. I'll eat sawdust if I have to. I want to get my life better. That person's going to kill it and do great. The other person's like, oh my gosh, do I, how, I can't eat bread. How many times a week can I have bread? Can I, can I have pasta sometimes? And well, your sugar's 300. Look at your sugars. And so for me, we, we're using continuous glucose monitors where we can see. So patients can see. It's not me saying, uh-oh, that's not good. Because we, we look at it together and we'll, we'll pull it up and say, oh, look, what happened on Tuesday? One of my patients said, oh, my gosh, look at this. Her sugar spiked like crazy. Because you know what I did? She said, everyone's eating donuts. You know what I did? I grabbed an apple. I go, that's my best option. And her apple spiked her sugar like crazy. <laughs> right? So sometimes you see that where, where you know, you don't realize something's bad, but then when you see it, that's why I love, I think the most valuable tool I have with my patients is a continuous glucose monitor. Cause we can see it. First of all, it's accountability. So people go, yeah, I was going to have a cookie at lunch. And then I knew you'd see it. So I didn't do it. Yeah. But if no one was around, they would have done it. Right. If they know no one's going to see, you. it's just like everything in life. You know, if no one's going to see you, you, you know, you're going to you eat. You might next. do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. People sneak down at night and eat food. Right. And so if they have a continuous glucose monitor, it's like, what happened at two in the morning the other day, you know? It's not being big brother. It's just say, hey, look, and then we could talk about that. How do how could you have done it different? How would you do it next time? How you know, because then we can change that. Because a lot of times people don't care or they don't know. But at the moment, it's the most important thing is eating that donut it, you know. And it's instant feedback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jackie's had one. So that was interesting. Some of the experiments. She put her body on the line for science. So that was actually really quite educative. And it gives you that feedback, that instant feedback as well as the feed forward for, for the next thing. Yeah, I think but for it's me, interesting to 
Yeah, it was it was very valuable tool because I could see when I was when I work out really hard, my sugars would spike. Is that bad? No, it's what your body does. So when you start realizing that and you say, well, why do I need to carb load? You don't because your sugar naturally carb loads. It will spike the sugar when you're when you're doing a physical workout. Now, Ben's workout, like we talked about, but keep your sugars pretty flat. If you have muscle mass because it soaks up all the sugar from your bloodstream and then you have to kick more from your liver. So no matter how much your liver kick, yeah, kicks out, your muscles are taking up. Cool. Right. Sustained. So I think there's things like that with that we're learning and, and sometimes you have to see it for yourself. So I think, you know, those things. So having a higher sugar is not necessarily bad because generally like in the morning, your insulin is the lowest it's going to be during the day. And when it's low, your sugar goes high. Why? Because it's not shoving it into your tissues anymore. You're letting go of it. Mm. Ah, so I didn't realize that, that the insulin would be low when your sugars are high in the morning. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's low. your sugars are high because your insulin is low, right? And your body's saying, okay, you're going to get up, you're going to put your shoes on, you're going to go to work, you're going to be walking around. So I'm going to free up some extra. Your body's smarter than you think. I mean, there's, you know, Rob Sivas and, and um, um, gosh, uh, uh, I'm like a, uh, Zach Bitter, who's uh, the world, he runs for all this. Both of them spike their sugars when they're doing intense, before they do the workout, before they've even started. While they're putting their shoes on, their sugar spike. It's very interesting seeing their 24-hour glucose monitor readings because their body says, oh, he's putting on his running shoes. He's going to run, even if you're not even thinking about that. And the sugar spike, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's really interesting. So Rob's sugars were higher every other day. He goes, look at my readings. What do you think? I was like, oh, that's weird. He said, those are the days before I ran. While I was putting my shoes on, my sugar spike like that. Because, you know, we could see the tracings. It's really intriguing, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Body is amazing. Body is amazing. So... I'm really curious, how did you manage to link up with Tro? Because you on mainland USA, you can hardly get further apart and your temperaments are so different. So what happened there? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You know, I think, you know, I would say it's a God thing, really, because Tro is like he's a New Yorker. But, you know, I saw him online. I go, man, this guy has I would see some of the stuff he was saying. And I didn't like it. Right. I didn't. I, I don't like the tone that he has with people sometimes. He knows that we talked about that. But I'm thinking this guy's a guy who went from 350 pounds to six pack abs, right? He did it. He sustained it for two, two at that time, two years or so. And he's smart. I go, this guy's really smart. And I was thinking, man, I like this guy, but I think he's too much. I think, but when I say, look, my personality is so, you know, chill that sometimes you need, if you I didn't want to do a podcast by myself. I, it also went back to, I was on the, the two keto dudes. They invited me on and I'm like, and he goes, you should do your own podcast. I was like, cause we need doctors to talk about this stuff. I'm like, it would be boring if it's just me talking. I don't think anyone was interested, but Tro, I thought, well, he's a little Jerry Springer type, you know, kind of has that. And, and so, but I didn't want to be that way. I want to be where we could sit and talk from different perspectives, maybe on the same patient. And that's what we, we started out to do and saying, Hey, look, here's our results with our patients. Cause I knew he was having good results. So I just reached out to him. I go, Hey man, do you ever think about doing a podcast? Cause I'm looking at going, why isn't this guy everywhere? Because he, 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 he has a great story. He has everything going for him. Like, why isn't he on all podcasts talking about this stuff? And it may be because of his temperament a little bit. You know, being a New Yorker, that's just the way it is. You, you say, I love you with an F word, right, basically. Uh, so, uh, and we're just different temperaments. But, but I'll tell you, he's had a huge impact on me. And I've been a huge impact on him because I've been in medicine a long time. And I've seen a lot. And you don't have to win every battle, you know, so I, I'm kind of the old dog and he's the young dog who's in, you know, but, but we need the young dog too, who's going to get up and say, look, this is, this is wrong. And, and, and he has a, you know, the thing that really made me pick him is he was talking about running on the treadmill one day. He's like lost 200 pounds at that time. And, and, uh, he's running and this, the guys behind him were saying, look at that fat guy. Why is he even here? He's wasting his time there. And he thought they were talking about him and he was shamed and he felt guilty. He goes, I'm going to, he was going to get off the treadmill and leave. And then he realized, oh, they're not talking about me. But he, he knew that feeling still. 
And I go, that's the guy. At that time, I go, that's the guy. That tweet, I said, that's the guy I want because he gets it. He understands. Because if you've been skinny your whole life and you go, this is what I do and you're stupid if you're not doing what I'm doing, then you know, there's a lot of people in the, in, in, the, in the wellness community that are like that. They've never struggled. So I wanted someone else who struggled because I think we have more credit. Like for me, when I started doing this, I'm like, I'm an overweight doctor and I'm like giving this kind of, but it's like, I know what it's like. I know the struggles. I know the mindset. I, we, and Tro knows those things. So you know, he's brilliant on you know, patient monitor. What I'm doing now is because if I didn't know Tro, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. He had a huge influence on me to say, why are you doing, why are you killing yourself? I'll go, I'll just keep grinding through and do this for 20 years and then I'll die and that's life, right? So I think he had a huge influence on me from that standpoint and, and I've had an influence on him. So it's great. We've been a great mix, even though our temperament, our, our, our mindset is very similar. I may just say it a different way than he does. I may hold my tongue a little bit better than he does, but you need someone to get out there and say, this is garbage. This is crazy. So I, you know, secretly smile when I see some of his tweets, but I'm like, I would use a different word choice, maybe of saying <laughs> that, or, you know, cause I, you know, my, my, I don't want to attack anyone. I'll say, look, I, I love, I love Dr. Unwin, right? At first when I see Dr. Unwin, like, who's this guy? And I started listening to him and go, this guy is so great. And he's so kind and he's so nice. And he's like, you don't hear him fighting with people. He just goes, here's my data. Here's my data. So I go, look, let my, let my patients speak for me. Let my, let my, integrity speak for me. Like, you know, I'm not going to push something I don't believe in. I just, the money is not worth it. Money is not my motivator. So I think people just have trouble seeing that. So you two, um, you and Tro were the inspiration for me to invite Lou on the podcast. So I was going to do the podcast anyway, and I've been thinking about it for over a year. And then I listened to your, um, I think it was your hundredth episode and you were both talking and, um, I, I came off the podcast and I contacted Lou and I said, do you want to come on the podcast with me? Thinking she would say no, because she's very busy. But she said, yes, so here she is. Oh, that's awesome. That's so great to hear. That's really cool. So that's really, I must be the tro of this relationship because I'm the sort of the lucky, plucky, sort of larrikin sidekick, the comic relief that perhaps, you know, with my, my Aussie-isms, you know, when you mentioned about the two kiddo dudes, it's just like, yeah, maybe I'm just the, the goofy, the goofy down under girl. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's great. It's that mix of, you know, some people like, it's funny because when we first started, because I, I joke a lot and I'm like, come on, throw I tease him, but it's all out of love, but people didn't take it the right way. You know, take it the way I, it was intended. And they're like, you're so mean to throw. And then other people would contact me, go throw so mean to you. Why is he mean? Like, we're joking. I was like, you have gray hair, you have bald, whatever, but there's no, it's love. It's like, we don't have any animosity or stuff. So people would think that, that we, we didn't, we totally get along and we see the world. This It's amazing. We see the world the same way a lot. Like I'll see his tweets and I'll go, yeah, I totally agree with them. Right. I may not thumbs up it if I don't agree with the tone, but I still go, yeah, he's got a point. He's right. He's right. I mean, he's not a guy who just jumps to conclusions. He looks at the data and then they go, you're wrong. And here's why. Right. For me, it's like, okay, if that's what we want to believe, okay, whatever. <laughs> right. So, because I think integrity comes out, I, I see people uh, attacking Jason Fung, who, who's a friend. You know, I consider him a friend and a mentor. And it's hard because they're wrong. The guys are wrong who are saying that. And I've never had one person come into my office and say, hey, that person saved my life. But I have every day saying, you know, Jason Fung, I read his book, it changed my life. I had hope again. So I think that's the thing that Dr. Unwin talks about that I talk about a lot is hope and faith and believing and saying, hey, can I make a difference? Because once you take that out of someone's brain and say, you have diabetes, you're going to be on insulin the rest of your life, there's no hope. So if I can give you hope, 
you know, people say, what's well, a false hope? Well, I don't think it's false hope when people are, are improving and their, their insulin is getting better and they're, they're getting their life back and their, their mood's better. I don't think that's false hope at all because we see the, the implications of that, you know? So hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a really, a, uh, it's really an interesting thing. So tell us about life's best medicine podcast. Well, that's my new, that's my new love, you know, really, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Cause you know, for me, being a low carb person, you know, I'm a person of faith also. So I said, look, so people would attack me and go, why do you talk about hope and faith? Like prove your faith. I'm like, I can't really prove it. Cause if I quote the Bible, you don't really care about that. Cause you don't believe the book. So let me just tell you about my life and where I like my walk of faith coming from my old office to here. It was crazy. Like the stuff that happened, I can't explain it. And so I, really what I wanted to focus on is not just about the diet part of it. It's not just about what you're eating. It's about, you know, stress levels of sleep, all that stuff Ben Bickman was talking about. I actually had to, got to interview him. And really, I love it because it's behind the scenes. I got to have Jason Fung on and say, Jason, what's your motivation? Where do you go when things are terrible in life? How do you deal with trauma? You know, what's happened in your life that, that made you stronger? What, what's your life? If you're dying now, what lessons would you give people? Because I think ultimately, you could, you could lose a lot of weight and still be a jerk <laughs> and still be miserable and still not be happy. And you can make a ton of money and still, and I see it. And I have people tell their stories about wanting to kill themselves because they lost everything, you know, and then they turn the corner and then they do stuff and then they help people. And so, you know, I just really wanted an outlet to say, okay, look, I, I, I'm not going to quote scripture to you, but I'm going to tell you how my life is affected. How do I get out of the morning with a positive attitude? Well, how do I have a happy marriage and great kids? Right. And it, it's not all my doing, but part of it's like saying, I'll let control go a little bit because I think so many people right now, I saw this lack of hope. And so what I saw was Tro, like you said, he would say the F word on Twitter. And I would say the other F word, faith. I go, hey, look, faith gets me through it. Hey, there'll be a better day. It's not always going to be like this. Like even now we're seeing COVID numbers coming down. There's going to be a better day. In the midst of this, so many people had gloom and doom and had no hope. And once you take someone's hope away, that's hell to me. Like when someone has no hope, that's when you jump off the bridge. That's when you, you, you just don't have any hope that anything's ever going to get better. It's like, hey, if I can give someone hope, that's, that's really cool. I like that. So I'm sharing stories of people that I've met in Guatemala, El Salvador, people with nothing who, who have helped people and, 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 you know, all those stories that need to get out that those people don't have a platform. So low carb MD was to give platform to other doctors who say, look, I'm practicing low carb and this is what I, and so I wanted to people of all faiths. I have a Buddhist guy that I love that was on just recently and a Muslim guy that was on that I love a doctor in town. And he goes, here's how I deal with it. Here's how the Christians treated me. Like they prayed for me when I was hurting and I didn't care. I needed the help. And so those kind of things were, I think there's so many things that divide us. I look at people divided all the time. It's like, okay, like I'm keto and you're not, you're carnivore. I'm not. And you get into this thing. It's like, Hey, if carnivore works for you, cool. If being Buddhist works for you, cool. If being an atheist works for you, cool. Right. Whatever. I don't care. But here's what my view is. And this is why I believe what I believe. And, and so I think it's, it's really saying, look, let me present my case. And then you decide, you know, it's really for people on the, really for people who don't have any belief at all that are stressed out and tense. Like what, where's my foundation? Cause these are the days when you say what matters, right? Hmm. That's the days of, I mean, it was right before COVID all that. I was during COVID actually that I left my old practice and so you go, okay, once if it doesn't work out, I'll find something else to do. I'll get a job somewhere. I'll do what I have to do. And you just take those steps. But sometimes just the fear of not taking the step, right? Like what you were asking, if you're in a terrible job and your jobs, your boss is mean to you every day, do you sit down with your boss and talk to them and say, can we get a common ground? Instead of hating that person the rest of your life, right? Or, or is there some kind of thing that we can identify? There's something I can do different that, you know, sometimes it's letting go of your own arrogance and saying, this is the only way, right? Because I have to be open-minded. If, uh, you know, 10 studies come out in a row that say, 
you know, what you're doing is dangerous, then you say, okay, I got to look at that. I can't just say, well, I've already decided, right? So I think that's the problem with medicines. Once we decided we stayed that course and we don't change anything, we just keep going. Yeah. But what about the standard of care? I mean, that was a thing that, or was that just a safety net? Was that just an excuse? Was that not obviously taking risks? Because obviously, you know, being a very litigious society in the US that, you know, medical, you know, in terms of that sort of risk as well, you know, if you really wanted to put your yourself out there as you did, you heard that patient who had lost this weight and you thought they had cancer, you know, you, you were brave enough to ask the question, well, what are you doing? Yeah, I think that's what we have to do. And I think the standard of care, what we have to do is change the standard of care. Because when you, you know, like Fedke and Noakes, the reason they won is they go, look, here's my results. Here's my research. Here's my study. They had all the data. The other guys had nothing other than that's what the standard of care was. But if the standard of care is wrong and people are dying, you know, Fedke is a hero because he is a surgeon amputating legs and goes, look, we could do it a different way. We could do it a different way. And so, you know, I think it's those things where you start realizing, um, he, he, he would lose money by doing this. Why? Because he would do less amputations. He gets paid as much to do an amputation as he does to, for a total knee replacement. Total knee replacement takes hours to do amputation you do in a few minutes, hmm. right? So it shows integrity when someone, for me, I have to look back and go, okay, if someone takes a loss for what they believe, then they have integrity. If they're making a ton of money because they're saying, well, look, I have this new supplement. That's the only thing that's going to save you. Then, uh, you know, they have a vested interest. And that's why on low carb MD, we, we don't have any sponsors because, they don't know if we're just getting paid by their sponsor. So we say, yeah, there's the best thing ever. And it's killing everyone. You know what I mean? I think at some point, and I don't, I don't fault people who do that, but I think we, Jason Fung said, Hey, look, we, we want to be above reproach and say, Hey, look, we want to help people. We're not here to make a buck. So all the time people go, Oh, you just do the podcast to make money. It's like, as you know, as well as I do. Just cost money. <laughs> yeah. It costs money. So I'm like, I funded the dang thing. What are you talking about? I funded it because it's important because I know in my best interest is, if you have just Gary Fetke or, or Tim Noakes out there, they're going to take all the arrows. If you have 3,000 people who are saying, look, I'm having benefit too, I'm having benefit, then the standard of care changes and it changes medicine. I think that's what has to happen is that people have to stand up and say, hey, look, I have to uh, do what's right, right? Do what's right. What about an integrated sort of model about, you know, you're going to be surrounding yourselves with allied health professionals, you know, you will have your nurse practitioners, you know, there will be a time when, you know, the physio, the physical therapists, the occupational therapists, you know, even the audiologists, you know, the people that do the hearing tests because, or the ophthalmologists that will see the diabetic eyes or, you know, with the ears, because that's the sort of thing that we need, not just relying on you, you know, the low carb MD, but it needs to be an integrated approach across all of the healthcare, primary care to, um, you know, to your, to your Absolutely. office. Absolutely. I think that's the thing too, is it, it can't be low carb MD. They can't just be us. I can't do it all. I can't educate everyone. I can't do all this stuff, but we have to be able to say, Hey, look, this is my, this is my, you know, low carb MD is our uh, testimony go listen to all these episodes and tell us that we're wrong. Tell us all these doctors are crazy. Like, and we've had chiropractors and nurse practitioners and PA. We have people on to say, look, it works for whoever does it. And I think we have to unify because the worst thing for a patient, for me, when I first started doing this, having success, they would go to their cardiologist and go, Oh my gosh, this guy's nuts. What are you doing? What? You're not eating sugar. You're not eating heart healthy whole wheat. And you're not, yeah, but my A1C dropped and my, all my stuff's getting better doctor. This is crazy. This guy. So what happens is that you need to have allies and people who understand it. You know, I have to have a, a dietitian who understands. So I'm not going to war with the dietitians. I'm saying, look, put on a, I had two di uh, 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 nutritionists that I, I said, 
put on a CGM and tell me I'm wrong. Put on a continuous glucose monitor and eat the standard uh, ADA diet and then eat low carb, just like what they did on, on Fat Fiction, Fat which is Fiction, a great movie. Yeah. yeah, exactly what they did. And that's exactly what I have been seeing forever. And I'm like, I'm so glad they showed that because that's real. That's what we see. And that's what happens. So how can you see it? And they say, well, that's not true. <laughs> so both of them called me independently. They don't even know each other. They're two big, big hospital systems. And they go, what do we do now? I go, that's on mm -hmm. you, right? That's on you. <laughs> So, yeah. So I think that's a, you know, that's a, uh, uh, it's important. I think that those are things you have to try it yourself. Look and see, do what works for you. If it's not working, change something, eat more fat, eat less fat, eat more protein, eat less. Cause people are debating the minutia. It's like for most people cutting out processed food, eating real food, getting rid of soda, getting rid of orange juice, getting rid of cereal in the morning, they do better. They just do. Right. I don't, I've never seen anyone do worse eating low carb than they did eating tons of processed food. So I don't see any argument saying cut out processed food. It's all semantics. Because if I say I'm doing the Mediterranean diet, they'll go, great job, doctor. That's great. That's helping people. But I go, okay, I'm doing a modified Mediterranean diet. Right. Really, that's what the low carb and keto is. Not that you're eating butter and bacon. The perception is that you're just eat, drinking butter and eating bacon all day. You could have salmon and that's keto. Right. There's stuff you can do that's very healthy, consider very healthy, right? If vegetables agree with you, cool. If they don't, okay, let's go carnivore and see what happens. But it's really cutting out all the other garbage that, that seems to help people. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because we know that they all contain um, seed oils, vegetable oils. They all contain refined grains. They all contain sugar. You know, whichever processed food you go to, it has at least one of those three, if not all three. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think it's just making those changes and then observing. I think Tro's after. But me. you could tell him he, you're no longer his favorite. You know, you've got this other other sort of menopausal yeah, we'll get him on. podcast. Yeah, have, <laughs> yeah, now he'll have he'll have reason to come on. But I'm excited. I think it's great that we're all kind of out there in different areas doing this. And but that's the thing is is low carb MD. We're hoping that what other people would say, you know, maybe I'll talk from my perspective. Let me talk about my perspective. Let me and get other podcasts out there who do the same thing. The more podcasts, the more doctors you're going to reach, the more we're going to reach. The more we say, yeah, we love what they're doing. I mean, it's funny because people would say, why do you always like uplift all these other podcasts? I'm like, I'm not getting paid to do my podcast. So I don't care if, if no one listens to my, I want them to listen, but I hope that they can listen to five different podcasts or three different. There's so much information out there, right? You know, you're going to give different information, maybe a different perspective. And, and that's important. I think that's really good that we, we do that. But there's two two issues that I see that, that there is so much information that people become overwhelmed, but then they sort of grab on to bits of this and bits of that, and then they can't think critically how to put it all together. So that's that's part of the puzzle, as you said. It's all about the journey, and it's sort of trying to work it out. High protein, low protein, and as you said, you know, there was obviously you're going to disagree, but it's about that lived experience. When I tried high protein, it didn't work for me. So totally. as much as I really That's want to be totally, shredded like yeah. Ted Naiman and I really want his abs. Yeah. I just. Jason Fung and I just had a conversation about that because he says, look, I've seen the high protein. I've seen it fail. I've seen, you know, and so he's looking at long-term numbers. So there's always going to be a fad of the day that everyone jumps on. And then you say, does it work or not? Ultimately has a test the time. If it works, it works. And everyone gravitates that way. Cause I I've been on the fence saying, okay, which way do I go? Which is better? You know, I know some people like Siobhan Huggins is very high fat and she's doing great. Some people are very low fat ketogenic diet and they're doing great. So, okay, well, what works for that person? So I think our job is to say, okay, you're my patient. Let's, let's, let's experiment a little bit and see what happens. Right. We have to do it. First of all, it has to be what's acceptable to you. And so there's different mindsets. I think that's the, what I've seen. It's not about, because I can give you drugs that take away your appetite. And I see that happening all the time. Like all these doctors, they just give them the drug for the appetite. Well, 
if people are ketogenic, the number one thing they tell me is I'm not hungry all the time. And I feel free from food for the first time in my life. I hear that every day of my career right now. Right. So you go, okay, why do they need a drug for that? If I can do it with lifestyle. Right. And, and they've been but, nourishing their body. Yeah. And they're not causing other problems and you're not causing another addiction and another problem, potential, you know, side effects and interaction with other medicines. So like, if I can avoid meds, I do. I, I mean, it's not my style at all. I really, really don't like to. But, you know, sometimes it's counseling. Sometimes it's getting the stress under control. It's all those things you look at. It's like the number one, like Tro and I talk about this, number one cause of failure. Number one, stress, life stress, something happens, you go off the rails. Number two, lack of support. Because if your husband's eating donuts every day, you're probably going to have a donut when you're weak. If that's your weakness. So I think it's those things where, you know, that's why we're trying to build communities. You know, I take my patients, we go, hey, next Friday, we're all going for a walk. Let's go, whoever wants to come. 10, 12, 14 people, we share life and talk about stress and why am I struggling with this? Because what I find, it's the same thing as, as a church, it's the same thing as a group. And I have people that I know are struggling with stuff and we have a group meeting and they're saying, um, I just uh, uh, can't, um, I'm the only one that has issues and everyone else is perfect. I'm like, everyone says that. Everyone thinks they're the ones struggling and no one else is. So, but the thing is the people who need the help the most, like certain people, I'll say, Hey, how are you doing? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Right. You have to talk about it. Like, why are you struggling? Cause you're not going to get help unless you say, yeah, I'm struggling. And as soon as one person says, yeah, you know, when I watch TV, I want to eat snacks. Me too. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Oh my gosh. Me too. And everyone says this and everyone comes. So sometimes it's just one person saying something. And that's how I feel with life's best medicine. That's what, sometimes it's just one person saying, look, here's how I deal with life. It may not be for you, but for me, it is right. This is how I deal with it. I see people go through losing a child. How do you deal with that? Well, here's how she dealt with it, right? How do you lose a leg? This is how he dealt with it and how it's affected his life. So I think the, all those things of, you know, one of the things, the tragedies of life that I've seen is all the time I ask patients, I'll say, what do you do for fun? And they look at me like, fun, like, right? <laughs> and I have fun? other people who just love the journey. They go, I love, you know what I made? I made this great steak last night. I had so much fun. It was so great. Not like, oh, I'm being tortured and beat up, you know? So I think it's one of those things, enjoying the journey. You can't just wait till you get to the summit to look down and enjoy it. You have to take a breath and look around and go, wow, I've come a long way. So a lot of people just don't do that. I go, you know, people complain. I go, you lost 36 pounds so far, right? You come a long way. You still have a ways to go. You used to be 400 pounds, but you lost 36 pounds. Very few people do that. So I think it's that, the encouragement and being with people and helping them and saying, hey, look, look at the good part. Because so many of us look at the best. So I have some people, they're not doing well. I go, write down five blessings. That's your homework. Every morning, wake up and call five things that are good in your life or five people that you love or whatever. Call someone you haven't talked to. Some, those dumb things makes a difference in your stress hormone levels and, and that because we all want to contribute. We all want to do something that's you're doing this podcast because you want to reach people and help people, right? Yeah, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. And the happiest people I see universally, I mean, this is a universe. This is why I do life's best medicine is the happiest people on earth are not the richest. <laughs> They're not the ones who have the, mo the nicest car. Like no one dies and they say, oh, you know, he had three nice cars. No one says that. No. They'll say, you know what? That day I was, I was really sad. He came and talked to me and helped me. And he, you know, I, I couldn't pay my rent and he helped me and, you know, those kind of things. So I know the poorest people who had the hugest impact on my life because they're outreaching people and helping people and they're sacrificing to, to do stuff and they're doing good things and they're positive and they're smiling all the time. So that's what I gained from the third world. That's why I want people to hear these stories. I go there and these guys have nothing and you give them a soccer ball and these kids are won the lotto. If you give a kid a soccer ball here, it's like, okay, whatever, right? I got five of them, big deal, right? So I think I think seeing that and being exposed to that, it's a big deal. I think th those are the stories. And, and I think 
not only the success stories, we didn't want to just share the success stories. Like keto is the best thing and everything's great. It's like, there's people who struggle. Okay. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we, we, we had Vinny torture John to help us pick, try to fix someone. And we couldn't, we still couldn't fix that person. Right. So I think there's times where, um, just like anything, some people, they just can't, they just, it's just a hard thing. And some people are just all in and they're like crazy. And some people do it halfway and they're killing it and they lose a bunch of when everything out, just making little changes, right? Other people have to make drastic changes. So I think it's just, you know, that one-on-one, that end of one I love, it's like one person, it's you. It doesn't matter what everyone in the neighborhood did. It doesn't matter what your neighbors say. It's like, when you have success, then they're going to come to you and go, what are you doing now? They thought you were crazy three months ago. Now that like, you have to weather the storm and do what you believe in. So all that stuff. I think that's what we're doing. It's like, okay, a lot of doctors are going to say this is crazy, but they haven't looked at it. At least look at it, listen, listen to the story and tell me it's not true. You know, when we have success, they say that's just an anecdote. Yeah. To me, it's a life and it's a patient and it's a family and they're going to impact a lot of people. Yeah, that so. person is really pleased with whatever they've achieved. They've, they've done yeah, it exactly. themselves. They don't care where, what the doctors say because if they're feeling better and they can do the things that they couldn't do before. It's like I used to be able to, if I knelt down on the floor, I couldn't stand up without leaning on something and and heaving myself up but now I just go down I come up that for me is amazing who's a doctor to say what you're doing is not right yeah when you're feeling better and your your mood's better and your energy is better and and all these things get better that's why you know I love the movie the magic pill all those so when I saw that I was like wow this is amazing like how many kids have attention deficit disorder and all these things because they're it's nutrition so we just throw a drug at them because that's the easy thing to do. And, and I think when you start looking at that, say like, what happened to our, our spirit of helping people at some point, you know, it's like, yeah. The spirit of helping people. And I think that's really where you are, you know, emboldened in, in living that sort of sense of service, you know, and, and you're doing it, you know, from that real altruism and you've channeled that vocation. You've found your jam, as we say, you know, you've, this is, this yeah. is just fantastic. I think, I think I have. And I think that's the thing is that when you find it and you love it, then it's not like people tell me that like they hated school, but then they got into this one area and they loved it. They couldn't absorb enough of it. They can't they, they, like what you two are doing. Like you, you, you learn, and you go, this is cool. Like when you can help someone. And I think, I think the big thing for me, it's like, it's really not about me. It's about like, I take a piece of all these different people that I've met. Like I'll take stuff from you that you're saying, I'll say, yeah, I like that approach. Okay, cool. Like that, that's, that's what I want. Not that we have to agree on everything. It's just like the stuff I can help. Oh, that's a great idea. I can use that analogy to help this person. So stuff we this we expose ourselves to really helps us to to help other people. That's why we I I think a lot of us cross paths for that reason. So maybe something I said, one of your listeners, I have patients who like you know like they say one word and they go, that's what not nothing you and Tro said matter, but what this guy said at this moment spoke to me. That Lane Norton interview, certain things this patient said spoke to people. So cool. If that works for you, cool. It doesn't have to be all that you don't have to know all the science sometimes. And I think like what you said is like, you can overcomplicate because there's so many opinions. No, you can't do this. Oh no, if you, eat, if, you, if, you, if you put cream in your coffee, you stop your fast. Well, if you're just having a little cream in your coffee, it probably doesn't make much of a difference. If you look at the, and you're having results and things are getting better, who cares what they, their opinion is? I think that's, you have to look at life and go, okay, this is what works for me, right? So it works for you. Okay, cool. If you're happy and it works for you, cool. Like, and it's the same thing as like, faith if someone has faith don't tell them they shouldn't have faith they have faith let them have faith even if you think it's the craziest thing it doesn't mean anything if it works for them it works for them if they believe that you know that being in the sun for five minutes a day at five minutes and 23 seconds helps them okay cool let them do if they're doing better i don't care 
right? If they're getting sunburned, you say, okay, well, maybe we need to change something, right? So I think it's one of those things where you start looking at life and going, okay, we, we can't be militant and you can't make it. I think what happens, and, and it's true, we make it overcomplicated. Like the dentist, they use all these terms. I go in there, I have no idea what they're talking about. Like, what, what are you, because I don't know their terminology. So I'm like, what does this mean? Then he comes to my office and I'm like, okay, now it's fun now because I know stuff you don't know. And I'm going to use different words. So I think sometimes they know, here's what it means in English. That's why Jason Fung is brilliant because you can say, this is how, what it is. Like, it's like, you're taking your car and you, you understand, like you understand the analogy. And that's what I use a lot too. Cause it helps people say, Oh, okay. That's how the, you know, cause the pancreas doesn't mean anything, but okay, here's the factory that's making the insulin. Here's what these guys are hired for. You know, that kind of thing. I think it helps people to realize, Oh, okay. Like insulin resistance. There's so much stuff we can explain to people that's helpful. Um, yeah, hmm. that's, a, that's, that's, that's good. So, but it's not, but it's also about not bringing in the keto police to police and to judge and to, you know, to put people down. It's obviously, it's about, you know, building them up and giving them the capacity and really picking up what the young ones do so well, both David and Jen is, is the sense of hope. And how can we build on what you're doing for your best life to, to move you forward? Now you yeah, gave us two. How do you cope two, and how do you deal with life? All that stuff. Yes. You gave us two of the top three tips. I'm still, I've written them down. So number one was to, you know, stress less. Uh, number two was the lack of support, but we need your third top tip before you go. Third top tip of why people fail? I think you were sort of saying, well, we're going to, we've, we're turning, we're doing the flip. We're going to stress less and we're going to build communities. But there was a you did say people fail because of something, but I didn't actually get that one down. But oh, we're gonna you know, we're going to make it more supportive. Yeah, you know that. And I think, you know, really what I see is people who exercise do better. And the low-carb right, community, that's been one thing, is people who are active, get out active, go do stuff, you know, because I think that stress and, and and really coping with stress, I think that's a thing, is really is how do you deal with stress? How do you deal with um you know, go through a lot of people, their coping mechanism, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be video games, but a lot of people, it's food. So they're stressed out and they're tense and they're not happy in life. So when people are more rewarded, they don't need the food as much. You know, and I think that's what I tell people. Like, look, a lot of people, it's, it's a, the diet is so crazy. Like an alcoholic doesn't say, oh my gosh, I didn't drink all week. So I'm going to celebrate Friday night by drinking to celebrate that I haven't drank, all, drank all week. But Food people say, well, I, I eat healthy all week so I can eat what I want. I'm going to reward myself. But it's with food. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to re re reward myself with going to work out or go for a walk with my husband or go do whatever, you know, those kind of things. So I think, you know, I think, I think consistency, like one step at a time, that's why I tell people just one step. Don't worry about the whole journey right now. You have a long journey to go. Let's worry about today. And that's why I'm not a big fan of, of uh, legalism in, in far, as far as like saying you're never going to eat bread again in your life again. It's like, well, if you go to the best restaurant or your aunt makes you the, her special bread and you want to have it every once in a while, cool. But if it becomes a stumbling block, then we have to look at that. But also it's like, you know, I, and I had a debate with someone about it who we don't necessarily, because he, he's a really, really a food addict, zero tolerance guy. And I go, I don't like the idea of saying you're never going to do something again because I think that makes you want to do it more. But his argument, which I agree with is not today just not going to do it today. Today, I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to have cookies today. Maybe hmm. tomorrow I will, but not today. And then tomorrow you say the same thing. And then tomorrow you say the same thing. So it's one day at a time rather than looking at all at eternity. Right? It's hard to say I'm going to climb Mount Everest. You go, okay, I'm going to train a little bit today. I'm going to do, I'm going to build up to that at some point. You can't run the marathon on the second day of training. It just doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So where can people find you? Well, you find me low carb MD podcast, you know, we're all, all over everything and, and, uh, uh, life's best medicine. If you, if you're, you know, looking and saying, Hey, where's my meaning in life or where I find my peace and hearing people's stories and testimonies and all that kind of stuff. Um, low carb MD San Diego is my, my direct primary care and metabolic health, um, 
clinic. And I'm here in, in, you know, two miles from my house now. I can sleep in and come in, you know, except today I got to get up early and hang out with you. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then um, on Twitter, at Brian Lenskis, last name's L-E-N-Z as in zebra, K-E-S. And I spell my B-R-I-A-N. Um, so I'm on Twitter a bit. Um, you know, I, I don't do a ton of social media stuff. I've been fairly busy lately, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think just seek out the podcast and, and obviously listen to your podcast and, you know, other podcasts down the road and, and, uh, Tro's, Tro's getting upset with me. So I got to go. Yes, I'm, that's right. You got to go. He's going to get upset and start cussing in a minute. He's texted me twice. So, but thank you so much for reminding thank me. It's such so an much. honor. Thank I'm so you. excited yeah, about what you're great. doing and anything we can help. Let us know. We know? will. Do. We will. Thank you. And have a great day. I'll get day. you troll. I'll deliver troll to you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Have Dive a great one. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. Well, Jackie, it really gives me hope um, when I hear such hope from particularly a doctor, you know, in his own practice. And the thing that really resonates with me again is when we actually have someone in a practice, a clinical setting, who has had a lived experience of what it's like to be obese and struggle with their weight. And there's nothing better than, you know, one of these particularly doctors in general practice who has done the right things, has eaten low fat and high carbohydrate, you know, was exercising and still, you know, couldn't lose weight. And then having found low-carb keto and has transpired not only his life, but he's used that to pay that forward for his own, his own patients. It's just, yeah, certainly gives us hope that there are others, and we know that there are others, we've interviewed them, um, you know, out there supporting people on this journey to, to health and well-being. Yeah, and it's inspired him so much that he's given up his primary health care practice where he was going to be earning loads of money to risk himself to come and work with people who are metabolically sick and who actually want to get better and so he's taken a big risk in doing that now I think it's not particularly a risk because I think he's going to do really well but he's starting to do well already but he's only been doing that for a few months now but he said in his life's best medicine podcast that he had, you know, he had a situation where he had lost a lot of money and uh, so he knew he could get through not having money again. So I just think that's wonderful that he's willing to do that for his, you know, what he believes in. And I think that's really important. And that's what you're, you're saying. It's about a commitment. So not only is he talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. You know, he's making that commitment to, to de-prescribe. He's making that commitment to enriching people's lives not through you know prescribing the standard of care that it is this metabolic um you know practice that is you know embracing and and certainly moving forward so and we know that because um if people aren't listening or want to not only listen to the podcast but can actually see dr brian's patients um and let them tell their story on um, the fat fiction movie documentary that we had with Jen in episode the previous episode so um, yeah it's really great to not only hear Dr Brian on the podcast but to be able to see him in the documentary yeah and um, so for the people that want to go back and listen to Jen that was episode 41 and the fat fiction 
film is available on Amazon Prime. Another thing is that he's he's been very generous with his time. You know, he's he he commits to doing the low carb MD podcast every week. Um, and like we mentioned in the podcast, you know, it, it costs us money. It, it's not it's not something that we earn money from. So for all of us, it, it costs us money unless you're doing, you know, you've got huge listeners and you're doing lots of adverts. Um, and the low carb MD are particularly advert free. They don't want to have adverts. They don't want to do take money from anywhere so that they're showing that they're unbiased. And and then he came on, you know, for us, it was six o'clock in the morning. And um, what time was it for you? It was late in the evening, wasn't it? It was something like 15 yes. hours difference. Yeah. And but we had over an hour and a half of a, you know, a doctor's time. So, you know, there goes obviously, you know, however much, you know, his hourly rate is. But that again, you know, that was very generous. And again, it shows his commitment. And we made Dr. Troy grumpy because we held him up. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we, so we, we're thinking we might won't be in his in his good books, but good actually books. he he has no. said he will come on the podcast, doesn't he? <laughs> but anyway, so Jackie, where can we get the show notes for for Dr. Brian's episode? So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero four two. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>